1: And welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, brought to you by the Influence Alliance, the business building community for change makers. And I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says charging what you're really worth is the trickiest part of building an online course. And joining me on today's show is Dan Harvey. Now, Dan helps knowledge entrepreneurs scale their business online with their own mobile apps. And his mission is to make the world a more confident and passionate place and he aims to do that by empowering people to have a greater impact on society. Now on today's show Dan is going to share with us how to go from bankrupt to boom in 30 days, learn about the first pancake method, intriguing, and why the future of online courses not on the web but rather it's in apps. So welcome to the show, Passion Dan.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much Anne-Marie, how are you?
1: I'm good. Look, uh, w- before we went live, I, as I mentioned, um, this is such a great topic. Many people, many businesses would have heard of the benefit of apps, but of course, now this is your area of expertise and uh, hopefully I'm sure people will walk away today with a lot more knowledge and insight as to what's possible, what's happening in the world of apps. But firstly, let's dive in a little bit to uh, the, the intro that I mentioned, how to go from bankrupt to boom in 30 days. Give us a bit of insight into that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we, we started our company Passion.io about four years ago. And as you said, the goal of uh, of the company, the vision is to make the world more confident and passionate. And we always knew that uh, we couldn't do that alone. And so we we our goal has always been to empower inspiring people to share their message with more people in a more impactful way. We started, uh, of course, with one client. And then with 10 and uh we've grown now we're, we're we've passed a thousand clients and 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 that they're having an exponential impact helping over 200 000, uh students around the world around the time where we we were we were at around 10 clients um so 10 of these we call them experts you know they're sort of coaches teachers trainers influencers creators we had around 10 and, and one of them was generating the majority of our revenue at the time and uh, we were very excited because we'd done some big launches did sort of half a million dollar launches and we started recruiting team members and growing the company and all of a sudden the uh the creator that was generating the majority of our revenue uh decided they were done they were sort of going into like early retirement they'd made a bunch of money and they just they didn't want to do it anymore and uh, and that decision was w- was made sort of overnight and all of a sudden we had a big cost base and uh, very little revenue from the other creators. And we we needed to do something about it. Um, I remember the call with my co-founder, Matt, and he, uh, you know, where he told me what had happened. And we were talking about, okay, well, what are we going to do? How long have we got? And what have we got in the bank? And what's our, what financial commitments have we got? And there's all sorts of laws in Germany as well, where we're based about how much money you need to have to be like technically solvent and he basically said if we don't do something about this in the next 30 days we're insolvent we're, we're done i genuinely thought it was a joke the first time he said it unfortunately not uh, and i was pretty hesitant or let's say I, I was pretty doubtful that it would be possible to um you know to make anything happen within that sort of time frame but you know Co founder's a, a very optimistic guy, and, and he, he said, You know, let's just see it as a challenge, right? Let's do what it takes, we'll find a way. And uh, it just so happened, we had a conference booked in the states, uh, like that week or, or possibly early the following week. And we decided, Hey, if we go a bit early, maybe we can meet up with some more of these creators and, and find someone who can, you know, start to replace some of that revenue, and, and we can. You know help them build up their online business and then make them successful which will help us to be successful yeah. we were i remember we were staying in new york in a in a sort of basement airbnb sharing a room type uh setup and we contacted a whole bunch of these creators and said hey we'd like to meet you in the lobby of the ritz-carlton hotel <laughs> met a bunch of the a bunch of these people and um and said look we know we can help you we've done this before with all these different people um, and you know, only one catch, we got to do it in the next 30 days. We, we can do it for you. We'll, we'll do it all on revenue share. You don't need to pay us anything up front. We'll do all the video production. We'll do all the marketing. We'll do all of the, we'll create the app for you, but we need to do it like now. Yeah. And, uh, we are very lucky that, um, uh, a coach called Al Cavadlo, who, who's based in New York, he's a fitness coach. Uh, he, he was up for the challenge. And so a few days later we we rented a, a location produced the content and the week after i believe it was uh we did a launch we were working through the night to get it all ready and that launch within the first week made about 30k and then continued to sell very well uh, until today actually and uh, it was yeah it saved the company and it got us back on track and uh, yeah. since then yeah grown a lot so
1: I mean, there's so many insights from from that, uh, but I want to give you an opportunity to share a little bit more about apps because I'm sure people who are watching and listening uh, today or even the recording are intrigued about that. And by the way, as we know, we're going live. And if you are watching and you have a question now, it's a wonderful opportunity to ask Dan because he's here on the show. And uh, please do that. You just leave your comments. I'll be able to bring them into the show. So when you look back, what are some of the, the key insights that you learned about looking at that challenge? Because I would say many businesses, Dan, are now in a position where they may very well have taken the time to build momentum, build their business out, started to look at the opportunity of scaling, getting team on board, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, from one thing to another, their businesses have come to almost a halt, if not a halt. What are some of the key things that you've learned that you could see were fundamental to you turning that around and getting that back? on track
0: yeah good question there are a number a big one is perfection is the killer of progress or perfection is the killer of, of done uh the, one of the reasons i was so hesitant that we could do anything within 30 days is that what we had been doing previously um would be about a four month cycle from start to finish because we would do like a week of production and we would do you know three weeks of um a sort of research in pre-production and like all these things And, you know, for me, that was my, my worldview is like, that's what we need to do, uh, to be successful. And, and uh, yeah, of of course, perfection is the killer of, of progress. And, And it's one of the key principles we share now with our audience. Now, you know, we've got almost 2000, I think experts on the platform, sharing their expertise, many of them, the hardest thing, or the thing that, that they've been trying to overcome for some time is a little bit of imposter syndrome. They're looking out into the world, they see like, you know, all these huge, I don't know, celebrities or influencers or highly successful people and companies, and they think that in order to do anything, I've gotta be like on that level, you know? And of course those, those companies, those people didn't start on that level, no one, no one can. So, uh, and that's actually a little bit getting onto the, the first pancake principle, which is, you know, the first pancake when you make them, that's pretty ugly, right? It's a bit of a mess. It's a, it's a bit like maybe gooey in the middle and burnt on the outside, and the reality is you've got to get through the first pancake to get to the second and third. And a lot of people try and start at the third, just jump straight there. Uh, it, it doesn't work. So I think that that would be uh, that would be one of the biggest. And and the other wasn't specifically from that example, but but definitely for I think for your audience um, right now it, we're re- recording this early twenty twenty one. The the world is has changed and is changing rapidly, and um, you know there have been studies about like what is the biggest success criteria in like in the biggest companies in the world? Is it the team? Is it the strategy? Uh, is it the product, etc. And and what they've found is more times than not, it's the timing. Do you have the the right product for what is happening in the world at that time, the zeitgeist? And something we've learned through the last year year and a half. Um, as we've been going through this this global pandemic, is we've needed to continuously, like almost on a week to week basis, uh, evolve because the zeitgeist is changing, the problems people have are changing, and if we use the same language in our marketing, if we if we uh, solve the problem in the same way, and we don't evolve, then we get left behind. Mm. So I think that that would be the second biggest thing would be timing and, and tap into the zeitgeist.
1: Yeah. You know what you've just mentioned, those two key things, I think are key and are going to be qualities, if we call them qualities or approaches, or just part of the culture of the organisation. I've had a number of credible, incredible conversations today with um, other entrepreneurs and visionaries from across the, the globe. And one of them, this Maura, Cara Macklin, was, she's very much a disruptive innovator, strategist, innovative strategist. And she was saying, you know, for business Is now agility being able to remain aware of what's going on in the marketplace, be able to shift and move, be able to foresee what what is needed, and kind of as you said, timing, be there to meet the needs and almost get to understand your ideal customer, existing customer, far better than what they uh, know themselves. It's like that old analogy I'm sure we've all heard when um, Henry Ford, back in the day when they were still, you know, horses ask your customers what they want, and the analogy goes that people would say faster horses, but he thought out of the box and had he asked his customers, which is always a good thing to do because they can give you great feedback, but you also have to be able to tap in, well, what can, what can we provide, what do we have the ability to do to take this to the next level? And I'd imagine too, I mean, you, you obviously had a number of team members that you'd onboarded, but you've got a lean team, but a team that very much... Um, that approach of that that agility and so forth, they need to be on board like that too, don't they? Because if your team drags you behind, you're only as good as your the, the weakest link. If that if, if that we can say that that's true too. You would you say?
0: One hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, we're we're thirty people, um, and I think the only way to be agile that I that I've experienced is is if everyone in the company has autonomy. Because if everyone needs to wait for the person at the top of the company or the people at the top of the company to have an idea to then distill it down and then we're only 30 people so it only gets worse as as you grow i'm sure um if we if everyone has to wait for that like one person or small group of people to make a decision or whatever then then of course you can't you can't rapidly innovate so yeah 100 it's all about autonomy and um and giving people the Yeah, get smart people, give them the right tools to be successful and empower them to make decisions. Um, And if they screw up, celebrate them for for trying something new.
1: I think in that too is something that's so important and this has been part of the conversation as well. As entrepreneurs and many of us, you guys, especially in technology and technology-based companies, there are things that they're implementing and trying out that have never really been done before or stretching the paradigms of what what is is known to be current operations and things and within that risk-taking there's going to be an element of what, what we might call failure but I don't believe in failure. It's just, well, that's a way that we know didn't work so well. So there needs to be an aspect from the leadership point of view that we've got to give our team space to be able to run and trial out some of those things because our greatest idea could come off the back of the back of the back of, you know, a number of those different trials and errors. How, as you as a leader, do you create an environment that encourages that, allows that, but still obviously there's some um, boundaries, there's some things that you need to keep in place? Is there something that you do strategically or have done or, are you finding that it works really well? Tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, how you manage that team.
0: Yeah, so we've been a remote team, actually, for a couple of years already. And so uh, we didn't have that sort of painful all of a sudden going remote with, when COVID struck. I think this is a really good question for our CEO actually, and she's wonderful with, with, uh, with this. I, I think there's two key things that that I think we've done pretty well. Of course, we're always learning and improving. I think our team all have very clear remits of uh, of what is expected of them, what they are accountable for. You know, I, in an ideal world, there's no sort of ambiguity. There's no one thing that's owned by two or more people. Like everything has one ultimate person who is accountable uh, because if more than one person is accountable in the end, no one is accountable. So I think that's that's one thing. The second thing, many of our best, uh, or many of our like the innovations that we've made, have come from for example our video editor saying you know i saw a comment on an ad that said um you know for example we we didn't used to have our own app like we launched apps for other people all the time we didn't have our own app and and i I know it sounds super obvious that we should have our own app but it just wasn't a priority it wasn't something we were talking about we didn't think in detail about the benefits of it and it was our video editor, editor who who you know really pushed for that and and uh, you know it's and right now we use our app to train our customers and it's like one of the most successful things we've done. And um, there are a number of examples like that and I think that uh, I think what's really important is holding space for uh, you know even though let's say it's not really within our video editor's remit to think about should we launch an app as a company, but holding space for that and one of our values is speak your heart. So we think a lot about how to, provide an environment where everyone, we can get diverse opinions on the table. And uh, the goal is to create a meritocracy. It's where the best ideas win, not the person with the most power, not the person with the most years of experience. Um, Yeah, it's just all about how can we create an environment where the best ideas win? And of course, to do that, you have to have an environment where people feel comfortable sharing their ideas and people have space to do that. Uh, So we work a lot on that, of course, as I say, We're always learning and always improving as well.
1: And you know what? I think any organization that says, you know, we've got it all handled, well, you know, you you haven't created a culture, an environment that you're going to grow, and there will be a time Mm. where you're going to hit something and Mm. everything down and the fact that you mentioned uh, actually our COO is probably a better person it, it just that that kind of gives an insight hey know where your skills and strengths and talents are that's right hire the right people in the right um roles and together create that collaborative environment and actually everything that you've said by the way the feedback just some feedback for you is exactly what Kara, the innovation consultant said create such oh, cool. an environment that people share and it can be and often people think about innovation as having to be this you know next Elon Musk. But if you look at that 1%, if everybody is encouraged, always look at the 1%, what can we do a little bit bit different or better, then we're always consistently improving, which obviously is going to ensure that kind of the apps that you create or the features that are within those apps are going to consistently be leading, you know, leading edge for your uh, your clients. And of course, now that you've got one too. Now, you already spoke about the first pancake method being about, you know, get out there, don't let perfection get you stuck or keep you stuck are there any other aspects and insights around kind of the the pancake method that you want to share today
0: yeah totally maybe just before that if it's okay i'd love to share one leadership principle that has been like really transformative for me and maybe maybe this is like super obvious to everyone else but it is it in terms of creating that environment you talked about where people can share ideas and innovate it's been it's been really impactful you know in uh like from an evolution perspective, status is very important because if someone has more power than us and they can, for example, fire us at any moment, it, it's like a survival instinct thing. And so, it's it's completely like baked into us that that we uh, when someone has a higher status, for example, if someone is our boss,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: a, a manager in the organization, that we have like a we we have like a natural sort of defense mechanism around ourselves because we. usually subconsciously we know that this person is sort of in charge of our survival and so the most counterintuitive thing as a leader but something i think is very important is to like consistently reduce your status consistently apologize when you screw up consistently say i don't have the answer you know like it sounds for me for me it's, for me it's very counterintuitive. a lot of
1: leaders are doing isn't it i'm the boss you need to do what i tell you and it's it, it, it as you said it's it's really counterintuitive what have you noticed as you've if you as you've done that as as a leader what have you noticed in the team
0: what you know what i've noticed is like is is that 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 status thing it will always be there it's a natural thing um, but the more that you can break down your, your own sort of status, and the more that you can uh, essentially therefore lower people's um, natural defense mechanism. Uh, and, and by the way, when they do sort of step out of that for a second, even if it's an idea that you think is completely stupid, or if they give you maybe feedback that you think is, is completely uh, misinformed. It doesn't matter, like to celebrate that person, say like, wow, like you just stood up in front of the whole room with the CEO and the COO, and you just said like, that is awesome. Again, it creates that flywheel effect of like, okay, I I dipped my toe in the cold water, but actually it wasn't so bad. And now I'm gonna dip another one in. So what I've noticed is is that people, um, just people start to step out of that sort of safety zone. And you know, like a lot of people in big organizations, especially they have like their work face, you know? And then they're a completely different person at home, a completely different person with their friends. My goal is to have an organization where where people don't have that work face. People speak their heart. People, you know, they're not lying at home, you know, at night pillow talk with with their partner or whatever, saying something completely different than what they say at work. Because the good ideas, right? How often have you spoken to someone who said, like, my boss is an idiot. He doesn't realize that X, Y, Z. But they've never told their boss that because of, like, they can't, they, there's not an environment where they can, yeah. but it's a good idea. You can guarantee there's merit in that. So my goal is to have an organisation where that merit, those ideas can be shared without fear of, um, of you know, of, the, of yeah. this issue and with the status.
1: You know, but you know what, that's so true. I mean, often then do the, the, the owners or the, the leaders of the business, they implement something, and then you've got a team in the background going, we could have told them that years ago. And it's like, well, yeah. why didn't Oh, you didn't credit yeah. an environment? I felt safe enough. Absolutely. And you know what? I, I love the way that you've kind of modeled that because even if it is an idea that you think didn't really work, still celebrate the fact that they shared that and say, that's a really great idea. gonna table that for a minute. There's ways to approach that to speak to them that they that, that you can still look, we value you coming forward. Let's put it down, let's brainstorm around that and see if we can we can evolve that, we can we can kind of, you know, whatever it might be, it still rewards the behavior of stepping forward rather than because you got some members in the team who will step out, you know, as you said, dip the toe in the water to see how it goes. And if that gets slammed shut, they'll probably never, ever trust, uh, you know, the 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 feedback that they're going to get and and yeah they'll be in that shell so that that's a great uh, a great insight let's talk a little bit more about the pancake method and then let's just jump into apps what what's the exciting thing about apps how can service based businesses who really are looking at online courses leverage what's going on in the app space but firstly pancake method
0: yeah so the first pancake method the high level principle is 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 very simple it's it's simply about progress rather than perfection but we we have like a specific sort of four week process that we coach our clients through on how to, uh, you know, I told you about that 30 day sort of crunch that we had, what yes. we realized is actually, it's not just us who can create a, a, a big success within that time period. We actually refined the process that we followed to the point where now we coach our clients on how to do that, you know, with on their own, so they don't need a team within sort of 30 to 60 minutes a day um, over over 30 days. Yeah. And and uh essentially there's like it's in four chunks. And the, the idea behind this uh the first pancake principle is that a lot of people they go for like they create they want to create this perfect thing, their sort of third pancake straight away, and then they launch it to the world. And what we say is actually launch like launch out, don't even create your products yet, just launch out that you're thinking about or that you're working on a product to help. You know tell people what you know what it helps people to achieve or what problem it helps people to overcome and just tell the world you know through social media you don't need like millions of people 5 to 15 people is all you need say look i'm looking for 5 to 15 let's call them founding members people who are willing to work closely with me over the next six weeks for me to like build up this content and work closely with you and help you achieve that goal help you overcome that challenge we encourage our clients to speak to those people on the phone Ask them, what is your biggest goal? Ask them, what is your biggest challenge right now? Really dig into that, um, to the user that you want to actually help. And you don't, as I say, it doesn't need to be millions. Once you've spoken to five, 10 people, what you'll learn is the themes are the same. You know, They'll start to use the same language. We had a weight loss product where like after five or 10 conversations, because uh, I was doing the interviews, I heard the word i want to feel the words i want to feel sexy in my own skin i heard that so many times and it was like it was like a light bulb like that's what that's the goal that's what people want um so so you speak to these people you work closely with them and then what we encourage people to do is like a bit like the train track method like imagine you're a train you've got like a track in front of you right but what we encourage people to do is like lay like the next seven days of, of content, the, ne- the next piece of track, and then roll along that for a little bit and see how it goes, get feedback from your clients, then lay the next one. So rather than trying to create this perfect thing from day one, create like a little bit like one week of content, give that to your first clients, these first like five to 15 people, and then see like, was it too much content? Was it overwhelming? Was it Did it take too long to do? Was it confusing? Um, Was it too easy? Like you will learn so much just by giving them something and and speaking to them, and then create week two. And what people find is by the time they get to week six, they realize that their idea when they started was like way off the mark, and that's okay. Because now you know what the market really needs, you know what really helps people achieve their goal, and then you make your second pancake and you evolve. You constantly improve and evolve your content uh, and after you do this process sort of two or three times, you have got a product that, is, that will stand the test of time that really helps people. And it sells because you know the language to use. You know that people want to, for example, feel sexy in their own skin. You're not marketing, hey, lose five pounds. That's not what they want in that market. They wanna feel sexy in their own skin.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Uh, and I love that way as well. And that's something that uh, I, I've done and, and I know my clients have done. And the beautiful thing about that, your program evolves. And you know that the second iteration, the third iteration, because your clients are growing, you're growing as well. And there's certain things, and this is what I think the greatest insight is, the thing that you thought, oh, I won't bother doing that, can often have the greatest breakthrough for your customers, and you think, wow, that that's just like that much, you know. But it goes to show often as especially, I think, um, expert specialists in their fields, uh, they forget how far further advanced they are than their customers. And, um, and and overwhelm can sometimes be one of the greatest things get gets stuck to. But they think that the value that they're not providing enough value, but in actual fact, it's the overwhelm. So getting feedback. That's right. So important. So let's talk about you know the future of online courses. It's not on the website, you say it's it's on app. It's in it's in Mm -hmm. apps. Speak a bit more about that.
0: Well, well, first of all, if you look at like the biggest online course creators out there, like people like Brandon Bouchard and people like Tony Robbins and, and and others, they're still running online courses. Okay. Now, so you might think, hey, this guy, Passion Dan, is completely crazy. He's saying that like this is the future, but the big guys aren't doing it yet. It's early for, for passion, we're 30 people, right? Like we, we wanna, uh, we're 30 employees, for a 1,000 customers. We wanna get to 30,000 in the next two years, that's the goal. So, so when I say it's the future, it is the future, it's not the present for most people. But following, like follow some first principles here. What device are people using for self-development, right? So an online course usually helps people develop in a skill, right? Whether that's language or, I don't know, coding or, or whatever it is. Most of the time, when people are learning something like a new language or fitness or you know music or whatever it is, they're using this device, their phone. However, most people are still creating online courses. If you think about any uh, any platform where people come back and use it multiple times, like for example with Facebook, it might be something that people use every day, or maybe with Uber, you might use it sort of once twice a week. Um, food ordering services, you know, a couple of times a month maybe, you're using that, all of those are on your phone. You wouldn't go to your phone and pull up facebook.com to scroll your newsfeed, right? It's, it's all apps, it's all like one click, I've got access. And there are a number of features that are only available within apps uh, that also just make sense. Things like you can have like really nice gamification, right? So you can have like leaderboards and you can have progress tracking, you can have streaks you can have push notifications reminding you remember to do this remember to do that you can have in-app purchases so you can set it up that people get access to certain content or if they want to speed up the access or if they want to get more or if they want to get more access to you they one click and bang they've done an in-app purchase so you can help you can take people on a on a sort of buying journey as well from completely free product up to something that can be thousands of dollars so fundamentally speaking an app is just a much better vehicle to deliver knowledge than a website yeah. and and what we're seeing in the relatively early stages in in the scale of the the planet is huge adoption towards uh, running a knowledge business on your phone i think in 2 years from now if you play this podcast to people and say like you know it'll be like the most obvious thing is like yeah of course, online courses are run in apps like like how else would you do it right
1: yeah, but it's just not there yet, yeah, it's interesting you should say that because i've I've had a couple of mentors of mine that have they offer online calls. You can still access their, you know, content from the web, but it's also available in in an app. And what's also in an app is a very easy place where you can message their team, where you can listen to their podcasts. It's all on that app. And it also allows easy messaging for people too. And what I like about that is, uh, I mean, if I have a look at my inbox, it is incredible. I'm almost at a, you know, at the stage where I'm going to have to get one of my team to manage it because it's it's getting unmanageable. Uh, but when, and you may miss something from, from a you know, from an important business partner or in this case, you know, from a mentor. And so that allows to, the ability to keep on track. But I know for many people who are listening and watching today, I mean, this may just be the way that you can get ahead because if you can deliver it in at, at form and just be ahead of it with everyone else, this whole gamification thing, it's, and we talk about ambitious entrepreneurs, this is ambitious on so I've noticed it myself, even, even if it's online, I know what the rest of the video is, but I'm going to let that video keep playing because I don't want 98% to, to show, I want the whole thing to go completely finished, complete. There's just little things like that, that you can incorporate. Yeah. That encourages um, the engagement, the you know, the consuming of content, and I think that's really where, when we're looking at at courses, online courses, we need to also be looking at how can we um, deliver our content in a way that it does get consumed and i love the way that you've talked about gamification that's a whole other show in and of itself but you're saying that when it looks when it comes to an app you can incorporate those gamification principles far better than and, and more easily accessible is that because of just the features and the functions than if it was you know comparing it to online the website
0: mm. Yeah. And, and to be clear, online courses have, on average, 6% completion rate, wow. which is just awful. Imagine if the COVID vaccine only worked 6% of the time, right? It wouldn't be that impressive. Um, so, so with an app, really what, what, what like social media has done, it, I would argue in a negative way, but very effectively, is behavioral design they have tapped into the psychology of how we form habits and, and how we create addictions, things like, how we create things like cravings. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have essentially designed, you know, their platform to trigger certain behaviors for us. Mm-hmm. So for example, you know, this, this analogy might not work as well in COVID times, but remember before COVID, when you would get in an elevator, and you'd be stood in that, you know, in there with like one person you, you don't know, right? It's like awkward. What are you gonna do? Naturally, what do we do? We pull out our phone and we start scrolling on social media because it reduces our anxiety. And that is not the, the social media platforms they they have essentially uh, designed that behavior in us that when we feel anxious, when we feel maybe bored or where we feel um, a bit scared or whatever, the natural thing that reduces that anxiety is to pull out our phone and, and it creates a habit loop. Yeah. So the point, the point here is that uh, there is a whole field of behavioral design that apps have been able to tap into way more effectively than any website out there, simply through ease of access mm-hmm. um, that that really like molds our behavior. So our goal is to use those same um, neurological, uh, like triggers, but for something positive. So instead of, you know, another five hours scrolling, um, it's, you know, time to learn a new language or it's time to learn how to reduce, um, stress or whatever it is that you're, uh, that you're learning.
1: Mm. With the app that you you're talking about, and you know, obviously, um, we're going to share how people can get in contact with you, so they could find out more. But if you give an example of maybe some of the clients or one of the clients that you've worked with that it's worked super well, do you also see some of your clients having? You know obviously online presence with with an online portal where people can access their the details and alongside that there's also the the online you know the, the mobile app where people can access too so there's a bit of a hybrid model online obviously on a desktop if they want to do that and they've also got access to that same content on their yeah. mobile device. Is that kind of what you're seeing is, is working well now.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what we do. So if you take our app, for example, it's called Passion Fighters. That's uh, what our community call themselves. And so you can download it on the app store, Passion Fighters, but you can also go to passionfighters.passion.io, which is like our sort of web version of the app. It's our web app. And uh, and you get access to the same content, all the progress tr- progress tracking is the same. It's a little bit like Netflix. If you imagine like you go on Netflix on your phone, on the app, or whether it's on netflix.com, If you're halfway through an episode, it's going to know where you're at and and it it, it all talks to each other. Right. So, Yeah. yeah, it works the same way.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And what when you're thinking about your ideal clients, uh, who are they? Like, who is your ideal client? Share a little bit about them because, I mean, someone might be watching and listening and thinking, oh, I'm not ready for that. But after you've explained to them, hang on, these are the people that that would just beautifully uh, integrate uh, and act well into their business model, could have suddenly go, okay, well, maybe I do need to, to uh, contact Dan and this team
0: yeah that's a good question. and and honestly, what's interesting is we have a number of different use cases. Um, so so one use case, quite a typical one is that we have people who were running offline businesses, especially knowledge businesses. so people you know coaches, authors, um, uh, consultants, people who are essentially sharing their knowledge in the offline world who want to move online in the most effective way. Mm. Uh, another would be creators and influencers. People who are looking to monetize their social media following, or their blog, or their email list, or whatever it is, monetize it both in a way that it, it sells, so you actually uh, it converts right those people into paying clients, but also it retains them right because you know the, your best buyers are your previous buyers, and if you sell an online course with the six percent completion rate, how many are going to upsell to the next thing? But if you sell a habit-forming learning experience, which is like what Passion helps you to create, you're gonna have more engagement and therefore you can you can sell more things down the line, you retain people in a subscription. So, so that's quite another typical use case. We've got um, software as a service owners. So like people like us, we own a software, right? It's passion.io, but we use our own platform to actually train our clients on how to be successful Um, with passion.io so our app is essentially helping us to increase the retention and success of our clients on our software and uh, and and then you've got e-commerce owners we've got for example um, uh, a company that sell like exercise bands and they want to increase how many exercise bands people buy they want to increase the usage of the exercise bands and they want to monetize the knowledge that goes with how to use these exercise bands so they're pairing a physical product with the digital, with the information yeah. in their app. So there are, and there are about three or four others as well. Um, oh, brilliant. Yeah. Essentially, if you have knowledge that you want to share with people, that's going to help them take action and, and make progress, uh, then your own app can help you do that.
1: Yeah, brilliant. And and obviously, I mean, there's there's so many different aspects around what you just shared. It really depends on the needs of your business, your ideal client, the outcomes, you know, the goals that you're wanting to achieve. And maybe even there may be some gaps. That's what I love to work, you know, with clients. I'm sure you do that too. There's some gaps. You might find that an app incorporated the right way with the right strategy can really ensure that that gap doesn't exist. It can bridge that gap. And as you say, can take that, that customer, who is not really engaging with your material, and, but engaging and not only that, getting such great results that they continue uh, longevity wise, uh, you know, as far as investing in, in your business. So please, you know, contact uh, Dan, which really just leads me then, Dan. Love today's conversation. Brilliant. We could probably talk for hours on lots of different things about that. But I think people best to, to reach out, maybe go and I'm sure on your website, you might have some examples. You already got an app there to that, I'm sure people can access. What are the best details for them to connect with you?
0: Absolutely. So, uh, you can connect with me personally on Instagram. It's passion.dan. Um, you can, if you drop me a DM there, then, um, you know, we and you have any questions, just let me know. Um, and you can also go to our website, passion.io. We have a training on there that might be interesting to some of your audience that's free that sort of walks through that first pancake method. And also, so that's step one, getting those first clients and getting the app launched. And then step two people, the next question people have is, okay, how do I get it up to like a hundred, a thousand clients? Like how do I actually do the marketing behind that pulls the people in, uh, converts them and retains them? So it covers that as well. Um, maybe that'll be interesting. You just click free training on the website when you get there and, and you'll you'll be able to get access.
1: Fantastic. Well, look, thank you so much, uh, and for sharing insights too a bit about uh, you know the the behind the scenes. I think that's always good. And what I love about those stories is we realise as businesses, you know, we all we all have our issues, don't we? That that we need to uh, to work our way through. And we're often we can feel quite isolated that things oh it's only happening to us. But uh, as we know, businesses around the world. And you mentioned about imposter syndrome. I don't think there is ever a time where anybody, even if you get to the whole... CEO level, there's always a little bit of oh, you know, and and it's once you realise that everybody uh, has gone through that, it does minimise over the, the years, of course. But uh, mm. it's just oh, okay. I'm not not on on my own. So please contact Dan, um, as you can see, he's very knowledgeable, and it may just really be something that you can incorporate into what you're delivering that enables your clients to to consume the content far better and also nurture you know, potential clients through that buyer's journey, particularly if you incorporate some pretty cool things that, that, um, you know, capture people's attention and, and gets them because attention, I think these days is so fleeting, isn't it? I know myself that if I'm listening to podcasts or videos, I love, I have to speed them up because for me, people talk too slowly and I'm almost, I know what they're going to say. So it's like, you need to speed your speed your speech pace up because, uh, otherwise I've, i am already drifting onto my next idea. So <laughs> uh, these are the kind of things that uh, gamification, it keeps people's attention so thanks once again Dan for coming on the show
0: Thanks anne it was great This podcast is brought to you by the TheInfluenceAlliance.com Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.advice.com TheInfluenceAlliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's TheInfluenceAlliance.com forward slash podcast series. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.